Hey, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with me, Rob Kosberg. Every week, I interview thought leaders and experts who have used the book to grow their income and their impact. So tune in weekly for these interviews so you can learn how to use your own best-selling book and go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. Rob Kosberg here. Uh, excited to bring another episode of the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with a great best-selling author, Ari Mizell. Just had a new book uh, launched this week. We'll talk a little bit about Ari's books. Ari's a self-described overwhelmologist and the founder of Less Doing. He helps entrepreneurs who have the opportunity in excess of what their infrastructure can support. Find focus, flexibility, and freedom in business. I've read a number of your books, Ari, Idea to Execution, really, really good. Uh, the Art of Less Doing, very cool. Of course, um, more recently, you have a new one out, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you as well. Uh, tell me, you obviously are not slowing down in the writing of your books, you know, as we can see with a new one coming out now. So uh, what is there to write about? What's the latest focus of this, um, your most recent launch? Yeah, so it's funny. I think that this might be my 12th book. And every time I'm like, this is going to be the last one. <laughs> I said that this time, but this was one of the first books where I felt like, like it had to be written for me. It was, uh, it's really meant to be like, my master's thesis on productivity. It's called On Productivity. Right. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned throughout the different iterations of the books is the difference between being timely and timeless. You know, and there are some really important time, like important instances where a book really needs to be timely and deal with something that's sort of topical and contextual and contemporary. But then there are other timeless, you know, really matters. And so my very first book, one of the biggest criticisms well, I got from people was that, I mean, let's see, the book came out almost seven years ago now. So yeah. there are apps and companies and tools. And I mentioned a lot. Some of them don't exist anymore. Some of them are not what I recommend anymore. So I really made that conscious shift to try to have a book that's more about mindset and how you approach productivity on sort of a grander scale with very little mention of specific tools so that it, it can be more timeless. Love it. Love that idea and love the contrast between being timely and timeless. I think most people would say that they would love uh, to write something that's timeless, right? Something that uh, doesn't just impact people at the time at this moment, but, um, you know, who knows, years, maybe generations. Yeah, and I think that that also changes how you promote it, right? And how you do the launch and how you utilize it as a tool in your business, right? Because if it is timely, then you obviously have to put a lot more into a bigger launch and, you know, make the most of six months or whatever it might be. Right. As opposed to the other way around. Love it. Give me some of the main concepts of on productivity. You know, everybody has kind of their uniqueness, their magic, the way they think about things. And this is something that you've studied for a long, long time. What are kind of some of the key points when it comes to productivity and how to think about it? I feel like having done this for over a decade now with thousands of people, hundreds of companies, hundreds of industries, there's productivity is one of those spaces where there is so much bad advice mm. and so much garbage and so much regurgitation of other things that other people said that didn't even work in the first place. Right. And the big problem with it is that you have that in all sorts of industries, but in productivity, it's one of those things where you have people who are like starved for, you know, a hack, a tip, a secret, some way that they can get more done in less time and they'll grab onto anything. 
it's a problem. And you get people taking very bad advice that really doesn't help them. And then somehow, again, when it comes to productivity, particularly when they fail at it, they assume it's them and that they just didn't get the system right. They're just not a productive person. You know, a good example of that is a system that is really good that has I have a lot of respect for, which is getting things done, which is David Allen's system has been around forever and is a genius in many ways. He's been on the podcast and it's a great system, but it doesn't work for a lot of people. Like a lot of people's brains just don't work that way. And when it doesn't work for them, it just, it's like, well, it's gotta be me. And you know, I've tried this, I tried that. It's just this thing wrong with me. One of the things that I try to do with my approach is to really look at how you do the things that you do now, which sounds simple and obvious, but many of us don't, don't do that. We go through the day, we go through the motions, we go through the processes, and we just do them because that's how we've always done them. Most people just don't take the chance to stop and look at how or why. Right. And many times you don't need any particular productivity system or method or knowledge. You just have to have some awareness to how you're spending your time. And so I can give you a really specific, concrete example of that. Please. If you had to guess how many steps are required on average to pay a bill, what would you say? Uh, five. Great guess. The number is 23. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> but the reason I say great guess is because most people, I'd say 90% of the people who answer that question guess under 10. Yeah. Seven, eight, 10, you know, or whatever. And here's the thing is that you, Rob, when you pay a bill, there very well may be five steps to you because you've done it for such a long time. The problem is, is that when you try to explain to somebody else who works for you or a partner or whatever, how to do it, you're only going to explain those five steps and you're going to leave out the other 18. And then they're going to try to get into it. They're going to screw up. They're going to get frustrated. They're not going to go why. And when you handed it off to them, you subconsciously expected them to do a better job than you had done because that's what delegation is all about, right? It's a recipe for disaster. And then you have people who are like, oh, well, I tried outsourcing or delegating and it, it doesn't work. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, so that's just a basic example. So if someone were actually, hey, why don't you actually write down the steps required to pay a bill for you? What does that actually look like? And five sounds sounded right to you. But if you think about it, so let's say it's a physical bill. I know so many bills are not now, but you get the physical bill. What do you do with it? Do you have to scan it? Do you have to send it to your accountant? Do you have to save it to a Dropbox or go, you know, what do you have to do with the bill? And then I got to go to my banking website. I got to log in. If they're not already in the system, I have to add them as a payee. This is how I do that. This is the account I'm going to use. This is the date I want to pay. 23 steps comes around very quickly. Yeah. So, but when we try to offload or delegate or just do it ourselves, we shortcut things. Yeah. And so you don't see those steps. So my original framework in less doing was optimize, automate, outsource. So optimize first, automate second, then outsource last, if ever. And that optimize is the biggest thing. And it's, it really does just comes down to identification, tracking, looking at how you do what you do now. And I have some really high level private clients that I work with. And one of them right now, pretty much all that person does is send me a screenshot of their calendar every day and we discuss it and they have a very jam packed calendar, but oftentimes they'll send me the picture and they'll just, by looking at it, they'll be like, Oh, right. I shouldn't have that meeting there. And like, this was too long. It's just that awareness. A lot of times, you know, that overwhelm is just being like underwater and not being able to see what's happening. Interesting. I love the whole idea of gaining awareness. And a lot of what you're talking about is of course, the productivity of a business with outsourcing and that sort of thing. But 
you know, some things you're not outsourcing the writing of your books and you're obviously, well, okay, well, let's hear about it. Uh, I would love to hear your kind of productive methodology around your writing, around your content creation, because, you know, you got your podcast, you have your books, you have workbooks, you have a ton of content that you're creating. And uh, that is no easy thing. Yeah. So the way that the books have been written, the recent past is through a process of delegation and outsourcing. Um, it's a woman named Amy Randolph, who is incredibly talented. She's been working with me for years. I like writing and I think that I'm good at it. And I'm not amazing at it. And I'm definitely not very efficient at it. And I'm also, I will never reread a draft that I write. Like that's not me. <laughs> what I try to tell people a lot of times is that you have to get the content out. The content is more important than anything in some cases. If it really is helpful content, if people are producing something that's useful and interesting that people can benefit from, then I almost feel like you have a duty to get it out there. But you have tons of people who are like, and I'm sure you particularly, he has all the time, right? Oh, I'm not a good writer. But we still need to know this stuff. We need to get this knowledge out. So I write until it's annoying. And then I stop. <laughs> <laughs> then I move on to what I do with Amy. And so the way that I work with this particular person, Amy, is I use an app called Voxer, which I feel like you're probably familiar with. Sure. Uh, for those who aren't, Voxer is a voice communication app. It's how I do 99% of my communication. I, that's how I talk to my clients, my team members, my wife sometimes. <laughs> and I have a developed a relationship with Amy at this point where I can basically talk for five or 10 minutes. And from that, she can write a 2,000, 3,000 word article or whatever it might be. So this last book basically was... 30 or 40 Voxer messages over the course of three weeks that I sent to Amy. She would get that. She would write it, give it back to me. I'd read it. We'd talk about it and then we'd get it done. And that's how this particular book got written. And it's such an interesting refinement process because having her interpret it and write it, give it back to me and seeing my own words crystallizes the content so much. It really is that optimization. It really is looking at like how it's done, how it's said, because it's too easy to write something in a vacuum be like, ah, yeah. oh, this is so good. Or otherwise it's terrible. And you can't read the label from inside the jar. Right. Yeah. So that's how this past one pretty much got done. And actually that's how to a lesser extent replaceable founder got done that way as well, not broken up as much, but the content is the content. As far as I'm concerned, the written form is one of the ways that people really like consuming it. If you're not able producing, able to produce that yourself, then you got to figure out a way to get it done. Right. You can't own roadblock and getting your content out there. Right. Well, everybody listening to this just thought to themselves, man, I want an Amy. <laughs> uh, she sounds amazing. She doesn't uh, work just for me. She's for hire, I think. So. Well, the interesting thing is it sounds like you've been working with her for 10 years. And so you've also developed an incredible rapport. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your Voxer messages because there's obviously more to the Voxer message than meets the eye for somebody to be able to take a Voxer message and change that into two or 3,000 words. So is there a methodology or a format you follow with your Voxer messages to her? Yes. The first thing, let me just sort of roundabout answer that. And really, it's an important context for people. Um, I have worked with several like New York Times bestselling authors uh, in terms of being more efficient. And one of the things that comes up is they're like, oh, I've tried, you know, delegating my writing before, but they just can't capture my voice. And 100% of the time, it's like, well, I wrote out this thing. And I was like, oh, you wrote it, but you want them to get your voice. I was like, so why not talk? Like, why not give them your voice? Right. And it it's a, sounds simple, but it's a big difference. So Voxer is a essential tool for this because again, intonation, you know, passion, the, the drama that comes through with the voice is just very different than if you were trying to give somebody a written brief. 
especially if you're already identifying yourself as somebody who doesn't efficiently or effectively, right? That's one that's really key. Uh, with the books, we work together to come up with the outline. And then basically she is prompting me over Boxer with like, so this is the next one. Why don't you tell me about this and this and this? So it's not, I wouldn't call it an interview, yeah. but it's like a primer, you know? So we come up with the end together. She'll ask me a question or two, and then I just go. And usually it's, I'm driving, I'm doing something else. Like I just go and it's raw and unedited and unfiltered. And then she can dwindle down. And I would say that when she gives me a first draft back, I probably maybe change 3% of it and then we're good. That's impressive. That's beautiful. Do you have, you know, one of the things that we found, um, the ghostwriting interview process is nothing new, right? The ghostwriter asks a few questions, but the vast majority of the time that creates total crap right? There's content, but there's no context oftentimes to that content. I know that personally, right? Because that's how, that's the first way I wrote my very first book 13 years ago. It was terrible. I threw it away, ended up writing it myself, which took another 18 months, which that was (laughs) like pulling teeth, right? So within these Voxer messages, because this is really interesting, intriguing to me, do you tell stories as well? Will you give a case study to uh, emphasize the point that you're trying to make in that particular chapter? Or will you tell a, a story to you know develop some context around the subject matters? Or is that something that she is kind of formulating herself? Uh, it's all stories, basically, you know, for the most part. So the one of the, the really nice things about Voxer, right, is that I can kind of do it anywhere, anytime. So there's, I'm never scheduling a time to like do the next chapter or whatever it is. It's yeah. always like something just happened and it's relevant and I'm going to talk about it now. And, you know, you can basically make something great out of this. The truth is, at least with me and Amy, like she's been working with me for long enough. Like she knows the system. She knows less doing and she knows the principles and how we outsource. She knows all that stuff. So it's really just about me adding those stories that make it really relevant, hopefully timeless in the same way. And oftentimes I have all the recordings. Some of them really are like rant, something just like set me off and it just comes out, Uh, which is great because I feel like business books, particularly in nonfiction books, and a lot of times lack that emotion. Yeah. They don't necessarily lack stories. I mean, you have like a Malcolm Gladwell book with incredible stories. Even those books, I think to some extent, lack some emotion and it comes through this way. Yeah, I love it. I love talking to smart people and uh, and learning their methodology. Man, I was totally hoping you were going to tell me that it's all stories because, you know, first thing I'm going to do when we're done is go buy on productivity because now I want to learn the productivity, but I also want to match it up with the methodology that you did in creating. I want to see what this looks like. So very, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's super helpful for people. No, I was just going to say the fun thing for me is just that my system, it's very widely applicable. So I've just been very fortunate. I've been able to work with like every industry imaginable. Yeah. You know? And so everything from like industrial manufacturing situations to the US Army to Fortune 500 companies, celebrities. Yeah. And uh, there's definitely been some fun stories along the way. Yeah. And who doesn't want to be more productive, right? We always feel like, oh, we're not being as productive as we can be. But yeah, and sorry, one more thing. The other thing though, that for me is that I do very little actual minutes of work in the given, in a given day, Yeah. Uh, just the way that I'm set up to do this. And all of my coaching is done asynchronously over Voxer. So I don't have any scheduled appointments. I have four small children, all nine and under. Uh, we just moved into this new house. We're doing a lot of work. This is my woodworking shop. Yeah, I saw it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. This is not a hobby. Like this is hard. That's a 700 pound, uh, you know, and I'm also an EMT. So like I live a lot of life <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of stories that come out of that because I, I see inefficiency everywhere. Mm. That's usually, so there's lots of material. 
Very cool. Let's switch gears for one second. You know, we talk a lot about how you uh, get your magic onto the pages. Uh, great, great content around that. Thank you for sharing it. And your books are helping tons of people. How have your books and your content helped you? Like, how has it helped you to grow your authority, attract clients, uh, stories around that, thoughts around that? Yeah, you know, I feel like even though I think a lot of people know now that like you can vanity publish things, you can self-publish, like there's still something about having a book that I think definitely lends credibility. Uh, there's certainly something about having multiple books that's always been nice as well. It's just, I feel like a really low barrier for people to find out more about who you are. It's like, you know, don't judge a book by a cover. Great. So buy the book and, you know, find out who they are. Right. Uh, and it gives you that sort of insight to what they do, how they operate in this kind of world, in this kind of business. So the book may be one of the most instrumental tools in some ways. I mean, the podcast, I think, has been really good for me as well. But every day somebody's like, oh, I've, I've got your book five years ago, you know, and like I knew that someday like I'd be good enough or I'd be successful enough that I could hire you as a coach. You know, like I've had those messages from people. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. People give the books as gifts. My first book was translated into like seven other languages. Wow. The South Korean version was the most beautiful, I have to say. It's been very important. Regarding that, uh, you're getting emails, you get messages. Are you actively using your books? Like a lot of it is um, what I would say is reactive, meaning that, you know, people are reading it. You don't even know they're reading it. It's on their desk. They got it five years ago and they're reaching out to you. Any kind of active use of it? Like, do you give it away on your podcast? Are you talk about that for just a moment? Yeah. So for a long time, I was giving away on the podcast that I was, I believe I still have it that like you can get the first chapter of any of the books free, either on Medium or by signing up for an email or something like that. But the other thing that I've been doing uh, with the last three books, I would say is on productivity is the last book that came out. But last week, two weeks ago, basically, we put out uh, the ultimate KPI planner, which is, you know, there's a million planners out there, but this is something very specific to a framework that I created. And if they buy the book, in the very back page of the book, there's a QR code, which they can scan, which gets them access to a private boxer chat with me. That's one of the active promotions right now, which has actually worked really, really well. Very so like, cool. Well, buy the planner, get this sort of bonus content that you know you haven't seen before. Very cool. I could see people buying the planner just to get access. That's a great marketing strategy right there. Love that. <laughs> And, and it's super easy. And what I would just tell people, if you're going to do that, make sure that you use a URL shortener so that if you want to change it at some point, you can. Yeah. I actually own less.do for less doing, which is, I mean, it's a Dominican Republic domain name, which is awesome. And I can do, it's a less.do slash planner. Um, so right now that points to this Voxer thing, but I could make a point anywhere I want at some point. Perfect. Love it. I obviously want to know where can people, we just heard less.do, but where can people go to get more information? I know you have a podcast. That's great. Uh, tell us where people can learn a little bit more. So I actually have a brand new redone website. So everything is at lessdoing.com. They can check it out there. The podcast, the books, the courses, the coaching, everything they want. And if anyone wants to reach out on Voxer, you can go to voxwithari.com. Nice. Nice. Voxwithari.com or uh, lessdoing.com. Yeah. Fantastic, man. Hey, thanks for your generosity. Love the things that you shared. I love the whole Voxer strategy. I think people can use that. And, uh, you know, appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for having me.